Okay, Chaber, Gervach, Gervach, Shavuatov. Thank you for coming. Bezer Hashem, we're going to, together, Vesiyat Hashemaya, experience something very special, very deep, very real. And we just ask as much as possible, just for the time that we're sitting together, to try. To mamish keep the talking to as minimum as possible. And really to try to enter into this moment, to enter into this place, to enter into this sphere that we can create together of stillness, of inwardness, we can accomplish something great. With Hashem's help. So tonight is something special because tonight is really, in a certain sense, the official kickoff of the organization of Ziyat Rashmaya and with the tremendous support and help of Rav Naftali Shif and many of the Chavar here 
all the staff at Jewish Futures, that I was brought here to try and direct and to run, to do something special. For the Yidin here, this is like, this is the launch pad. And so it specifically means so much to me that each and every one of you decided to take of your precious time and to join us. The organization is called Elecha. Elecha means to you. And there are so many different sukkim, there are so many different verses that have that word Elecha to you, toward you, in different contexts. Elecha Hashem Nasasi Einai. Elecha Hashem Ekra, Hashem Eschanan. There's so many different psukim, so many different verses with this word in different contexts. But I think that the beautiful thing about the word Elecha is that it carries two connotations. One connotation, Elecha, means to you with a capital Y, meaning toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu, toward the Master of Heaven and Earth, toward the Creator of all, to you, up, out, beyond. But the word Elecha, to you, also is with a lowercase y. And it means to the inward depth of each and every one of us, to the deepest core of our being. And if we can find two psuk and two verses that capture this, the first is the song that we just sang, Ka'ayal Tareg Alafike Mayim. Like a deer yearns, Alafike Mayim on the banks of water. So our souls yearn for you. Now, brief moments of sunlight, of clarity between the clouds, where we feel stirred by something that comes from very deep. There's got to be something more to life, there's got to be more to this than what meets the eye. That we yearn upward to touch something beyond. And there's another Pasuk that says, referring to the Torah, referring to the mitzvahs, referring to our tradition. The Torah testifies, it's very close to you. Elecha to you with a capital Y and Elecha to you with a lowercase y that in the truest sense of the word also has a capital Y because it's the godliness within you. It's the essence, it's the core of who you are. A verse that we're going to read, a Pasuk, two Parshias, three Parshias, Parshias Hazinu. Hazinu ha-shamayim v'adabeir v'sishma aretz imrefi. Literally means let the heavens give ear v'sishma aretz imrefi. Let the earth listen to the words that emerge from my mouth. But the Helga Kajan Sir Magid, one of the Tamidim of the Magid of Mizrich, one of the early Hasidic masters, says that each and every one of us at this table has two parts to our identity. One part is called 
Aretz, earth. And that part is the external identity of who we are with our past and our future and our disappointments and our aspirations, our memories, our experiences, traumas. Our name, our occupation, what we do on a daily basis, our family circumstances, that's all called Aretz, that's earth. That's the external physical counterpart within your being. But then the Kajan Tzermagat says that there's a part of you that's called Shamayim. There's a part of you that's called heaven. And it's deeper than all of that. It's deeper than all of that. And that part of you that's called Shamayim is a little point of heavenly untouched essence that nothing that you could do or have done says anything about, impacts in any which way. It's there, it's pure. It's what we refer to as the chilek aloka mimal, a portion of God above that's invested within you. It's a spark of divinity. Unchangeable, untouchable. Constantly holy, constantly pure. Constantly desiring, and that's what compels us to feel that we're yearning Eilecha for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Mesiras Maida, just in the beginning of this whole project of Eilecha, with all of its various iterations, and all of its projects, and all of what, with Hashem's help, we're going to be able to accomplish in the schools, and the shuls, events like these for the community. Our messaging is Ach Verak is only and specifically directed toward the Shemayim aspect of us. Hazinu HaShemayim Va'adabeira. Let that part of the Jewish nation that's called Shemayim, let it listen, let it hear. And then naturally, Memela, naturally, V'sishma Oretz Imrifi. Naturally, if we can speak to each other, if we could speak to our children, if we could speak to our students, in a way relating to the true essence that they carry within the heaven part of them, so then naturally that will spill over into the aspect called Aretz and can uplift our lives. But let's stay focused on the essence, let's stay focused on yearning on Ratzon. And together, with Hashem's help, we can lead lives of connection, of authentic connection, and it's a journey. And this is the invitation for all of you, and for anybody that you can spread the word to, to journey with us, to journey in, to journey beyond. So he saw. 
On a Pashup Shad, on a simple level, it just means it's very accessible. It's accessible, it's easy. The Torah is referred to as being free. It's free, especially today with the internet. Whatever you want to learn, it's a Google search away. Everything is open on every level. Whatever it is, it's translated into English. It's, it's all laid out in front of you. That's what it means on a simple level. It's open, it's accessible, it's close. But Alpipnemius, on a deeper level, the understanding is that it's not only close in the sense that it's accessible. But that the closest part of our identity, when we go down deep, to find that place that we refer to as Shamayim, that we have inside of ourselves, what we find there is the Torah in its entirety. It's the closest possible thing to your consciousness beyond all of the different veils and beyond all of the different walls and the barricades. When we penetrate to the core of who we are and what we are, we are a letter of the Torah. We are a part of the scroll. Three Jews is a word. A line of Jews is a sentence. All of us in this room, a paragraph in this grand story, and the entire nation is one scroll. 
Tshuva is oftentimes conceived of as being something that's foreign. Comes around Elul, for those who aren't Tshuva-minded the whole year, but at least Elul, we feel sometimes as if we need to contort ourselves. It's like, got to get into shape, you know? It's like, you know, the, the great judgment day is coming, and we need to twist ourselves into something that we perceive to be unnatural to who we are because it's different than the way that we ordinarily act. And sometimes we feel like it's a charade. We prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Sarasamei Tshuva, until Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, four days until Sukkot, and then Sukkot, seven days, all the way to Hashanah Rabbah, and then we're free. We're free to be what? We're free to be, unfortunately, what we perceive to be, who we, quote-unquote, really are. L'chaim, l'chaim. It's only water. Don't worry. But the truth is, Chavar, the truth is, listen to this. The truth is that Chazal tell us, which means that Shuva is great because it reaches the throne of glory, the Kisiyah Kavod, God's divine throne. What do we know about the Kisiyah Kavod? What comes from below the Kisiyah Kavod? What comes from underneath that place in the spiritual realm? What is that? Our sages teach, Chazal say, that the souls of the Jewish nation are hewn from underneath the Kisei covered underneath that place. Pnei Yaakov chokok ala Kisei, the face of Yaakov is etched upon the throne. All of us are descendants from Yaakov. That's our shayrus, that's our root. Gedoyla tshuva, greatest tshuva. Shemagas ad Kisei covered. Because the process of return, the process of aligning ourselves with the will of God in the healthiest, most beautiful, broad sense of the word is actually bringing us close to the true identity that we hold within. There's nothing more natural than tshuva. There's nothing that feels more right than a Jew stopping and saying, either verbally or thinking, but with eyes raised heavenward. Rebbe Shalom, the master of heaven and earth, I'm ready, I'm ready to align myself with a vision that you had when you put me in this world. I'm ready to live a life of meaning, of purpose, of maturity, of sensitivity, of depth, of warmth. I'm ready to make every second count. There's nothing more natural. And this that we feel sometimes that it's foreign is only because we're so conditioned to living in a lower self, in the aritz part of us, that it's a little bit jolting. But pay attention, you'll feel something. Hazinu HaShemayim. There's a place within that's always aligned. There's a place within that's always yearning. It's filled with Ratzon. And all the impure thoughts are referred to in the Sefer Magdashim and the Holy Works as Machshavos Zarais, which means strange thoughts, foreign thoughts because they're essentially foreign to who we are. Thoughts that aren't aligned with the ultimate purpose of our mission, which is to channel God into the world and to find Him behind His hiding place, as we'll learn. Those are called machshav zars because they're essentially foreign to the essence of who we are. And so let's try to sing this nigan again, again, with that machshava, with that kavana of kikare velecha, it's in here. It's not out there and just super close. We already have it. 
It's nothing we need to earn. It's something we need to reveal.
like London, it's not easy leaving Eretz Yisrael. It's not easy. It's very painful. This is as good a place as any, but it ain't Eretz Yisrael. It's not Yerushalayim. It's so one of my avoidas. One of my avoidas is to try as much as I can to remember the Maloi Chal Ha'aris Kavaydai. Not just the glory of God fills the world. Glory is a term that we're not so in touch with. If there's any place that's closer to being able to understand what glory is, it's, it's here and it's now. In Britain with the king and the queen, Allah Shalom. But still, there's a deeper translation. And the deeper translation of kavod is presence. Presence. Presence is an interesting thing because presence means that a person is present, is here in a given setting. But we also use the word presence in a different connotation, a different context. When we say that a person has presence, what does that mean? How much presence does a person have? When you refer to a person who walks into a room and without anybody knowing that the person walked into the room, you sense it, you feel it. There's a presence that the person has. There's an aura. It's undefinable. It's impossible to measure. It's impossible to put our finger on what it is, but we know that it's there because we feel it. Means that even though none of us are able to see the Creator, we can't touch Him, we can't feel Him, the physical senses can't apprehend the reality of the spiritual realm. If we allow ourselves to silence the mind and to magnify our inner receptibility, 
We can feel like great moments and even ordinary moments that then become great. That the entire earth is filled not with his glory, but with his presence. We feel that we're in the presence of something that's beyond us, but of something that's within us. At every moment of our day, we can feel this. If we stop, we stand still, close our eyes, we can feel that we're not alone. We're not alone in this room. We're not alone, even though we're surrounded by people. There's a presence that envelops us. That God surrounds all worlds and God fills all worlds. He's real. He's within everything. Sometimes we need to shift our conception of this three-letter word. We say God. That word means different things to different people. But if we can broaden our perception of what this thing might mean and how we can define this thing called God, the creator, the spiritual life force, the infinite one that suffuses everything, that created and sustains all of this, that loves us, then we can feel him in Malakal Alman, that a Kaddish Baruch is with us. No matter how rainy, no matter how cloudy, no matter how dark and dismal and hopeless it may seem, we're not alone. We're never alone. So join me if you know it. If you don't know it, it's an easy song to learn. There is no world at all. 
Rabbi Hamel, Becha Yoilamim, Hey Okay, so Besiyata Deshmai, with the help of the Master of the World. Just to share a few short thoughts of Torah. Together, Besiyata Deshmai. And again, even before saying anything, just to reiterate, my personal appreciation for you coming means a great, great deal to me, each and every neshama. We said before, every Jew is a letter. Every three Jews is a word. And so the specific letters that choose to show up in a particular setting changes the context and the content of whatever message is being shared. 
And again, to encourage each and every one of us to walk out and to let people know that there's something happening at 379 Hendon Way, that there's something happening. Something's beginning, and it's beginning tonight. And it's continuing every Thursday night subsequent. We're having learning called Face to Face in the JF Base. With Hashem's help, with my humble self, Harav Daniel Roshlita, other staff who are going to be running Chaburas, and then Bezer Hashem, I'm going to be giving Shir every Thursday night. Everybody's welcome. Bring your friends with good food and learning and good camaraderie energy. Next week, this time, uh, this time, almost, <laughs> with Hashem's help, starting at 11 p.m., we're doing a musical slichas in this room. With Hashem's help, I'll be, I'll be leading together with all the, all the chevra. And we're going to try, in addition to working within the schools and within the shuls, to turn, to turn this place, to turn this place into a great bastion of, of feeling and connection. It already is. But to heighten that, turn up the flame, and to really turn it into like a flamethrower, you know, to really light up the whole London, to really light it up, to light it up, we could do it. It's easy. It's so easy. It's a joke. It's mamash a joke. And so with Hashem's help, I want to express that akarasatev to you, and I look forward to continuing this journey with you to our authentic connection. Rosh Hashanah is referred to as Hayoim Haras Oilam. Hayoim Haras Oilam means that Rosh Hashanah is the day that the world is created. But the truth is that the world isn't created on Rosh Hashanah. Adam and Chava are created on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of Adam. It's the birthday of Chava. It's also the day of the sin. The deviation from the whole purpose of the essence of Rosh Hashanah, which is to be Mamlich, the master of heaven and earth, to crown him king, to recognize his presence, his mark on everything in the Bria. Even here, I noticed they have, I don't know if they're still in operation, but those red mailboxes on the corners, are they, they still work? Okay, so they have a crown in it. What does that mean? It means that this is a part of something royal. And so we develop the right eyes, every flower that we see, every person that we meet, every breath that we take has a crown on it. It's marked. It's part and parcel of a sovereignty. It's part and parcel of, of something that we're part of. It has the imprint of the Creator. Rosh Hashanah's Hayyim Haras Oilam. But how was Adam and Chava created? In what strange form, says the Medrash? HaKadosh Baruch Hu created them called Dupartsufim. Hashem created Adam and Chava back to back first, conjoined into one being. And then there was the process called Nesira, at least in the Kabbalistic Svarim, it's called Nesira, the sawing apart. And then Chava becomes a separate entity and Adam becomes a separate entity. It's a little bit different than the conception of Chava being created from one of the ribs of Adam. There are different, different approaches, different understandings, different levels. But this... Vision sees Adam and Chava back to back, conjoined into one body, and then they're sawed apart. Now, on the one hand, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that they're sawed apart. Because can you think of anything so close as literally being one being with another person, one being, like Mamish, in one wrapping, so to speak? 
one physical manifestation, it's so, it's so intimate, it's so close. But the deepest thing is to know, Mamash, this, this, this point is just so deep and, and it's so many levels. It's true they were one being, but it's only upon being sawed apart that they could ever possibly turn around and meet each other face to face. This is very, very deep. It's a very, very deep sowed. It's a deep secret. Panim b'panim. The deeper svarim, the deeper texts tell us that although Adam and Chava existed as their own historical personalities, personas, Adam is also a reference to the master of heaven and earth. It's called Adam HaYoyshev Alakisei. Hashem is called Adam. Hashem is called Ish. Hashem Ish Melchama. And Chava, who's the mate of Adam, is a reference to the Jewish nation. That by Harsinai, by the giving of the Torah, it's like the wedding. There's a wedding that takes place between the groom with a capital G, God, Adam, the male, and Am Yisrael, the Jewish nation, who exist as the Eishas Chayil, Ateres Bala, as the bride. So the deepest thing that we need to know is that the Jewish nation, just like Chava to Adam, was originally part and parcel of God Himself. like the Chavra learning in Tanya, Hashem blew the spirit into Adam from within Himself. But ultimately, things didn't remain on that level of Ein Sov, just infinite godliness whatever that means. Our minds can't even grasp but not the godliness part or not the infinite part. Maybe it's one and the same. Infinity. Can't, can't grasp it. But things didn't remain that way. HaGadosh Baruch Hu went through the process of constricting that infinite light in stage after stage after stage after stage to finally create a physical world within which the Jewish nation could be brought to life in the context of humanity that they were then charged with shining a light that could illuminate the entirety of the world. Now that's a terrible thing because that's a sawing apart. That means that we went from being literally included within God's spiritual being to existing with a separate consciousness that we experience as being separate, that I have a name and I have, a th- I have thoughts and, and these thoughts are not God's thoughts. The Pesach says, right? there, There's a distinction between myself and the self from which I derive. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do this? Wouldn't it have been better if we could exist in that place within the infinity like a ray of light nullified to the sun itself? But the answer is that the whole soul, the whole secret, the whole purpose, the whole premise of creation was a Kodesh Baruch Hu giving us the opportunity in being sought apart from Him, so to speak, and existing as an independent, separate consciousness to turn ourselves around and to meet Him face to face and connect in a deeper way than we ever could have connected before when we were literally part of Him. Which is an amazing chesed, it's an amazing, it's an amazing kindness. Because in a chanami, we were part of Him, 
But over here, he gives us the confidence to stand up and to interact with him on a personal, intimate level, face to face. This is the great opportunity of living. This is the opportunity of a physical world with families and kids and jobs and cars and all the different circumstances that we find ourselves surrounded in throughout the human condition. But it's a great challenge as well. Because with the gift of separateness comes the risk of getting so caught up in the fact that we exist as a separate consciousness that we forget about the purpose of life in the first place, which is to turn ourselves around and see all of life as an opportunity for contact with the divine. And instead, we get lost in our own little game. The Pasuk says, God created man, yashar, straight, walking on the straight and narrow with a mission. Because we know that the closest way between two points is a straight line, right? It means to say that Hashem created the human being for a purpose. We're going somewhere. We're here for a reason. And then we get lost. We get lost. And we start to fall prey to the illusion of our separateness to the point that we no longer even remember that there is a source from which we derive that there is a face that we're supposed to be turning to meet in the deepest, most, in, most intimate way. We get lost. This chain of progression from which infinity turns into the finite world that we experience around us takes the form of a four-stage process. Each of these stages has millions of stages in between. It's very complex. But on a simple level, four stages. These four stages are what we refer to in Kabbalah or in Hasidus as the four worlds. Arba oilamois, four worlds. And these are not worlds, like there are different planets. Okay, this is planet Earth, and there's that world, and there's that world. No, it means that there are four stages, four dimensions within creation, each of which is further and further and further away from that pure, unfiltered godliness, each of which seems to take on more and more of an independent hue. And these four worlds are called atzilus, which comes from the Hebrew word etzlo, which means it's closest to that place of infinity. That's what is referred to in the Sfarim as ayin, nothingness, which really means everythingness. But from our standpoint, it's just there's nothing but God in that place. Ayin. Then there's the world of Bria, the world of creation, which is referred to as Yesh Me Ayin. All of a sudden, something emerges from the Ayin. Something comes from nothing. That then proceeds to the world of Yitzira, which is the world of formation which takes that material and starts to form it into something is referred to as yesh mi yesh. Once there's silly putty, there's material, so now you can start to, to form it into, into, into different things. And then finally, the last stage is referred to as the world of asiya, the world of action, which is referred to in the Svarim as yesh, a concrete reality with a physical table and atoms and different energies that appear to us to be cemented into reality. 
Asiya, the world of Asiya. These four stages are wrapped up into the name that we usually use to refer to the divine being, which has four letters, Yud, K, Vav, K. Yud and a He, and then a Vav and a He. We don't pronounce this name. Instead, we say Adni, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. But when we say Hashem, this is what it means, Hashem, right? The name. When the Svarim want to refer to the name because they can't actually say it, we call it the Shem Havaya. Why do we call it the Shem Havaya? Because the word Havaya is Yud, He, Vav, He. Just it's, it's switched around, different letters, so we can actually pronounce it, because we can't pronounce Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke. We don't even know how to pronounce it. But the Shem Havaya is the word that we use to refer to HaKadosh Baruch But that word has a meaning. And the meaning of Havaya is existence. And that means that the name Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke, has all of existence with all the stages and all the levels of ayin and the yesh me ayin and the yesh me yesh and the yesh, all of it folded up into it. And indeed, there are four letters. And so the first letter is a yud, and that's going to correspond to the world of atzilus. The second letter is a hey, that's going to correspond to the world of bria. The third letter is a vav, that's referring to the world of formation, yitzira. And then finally, the final hey, that's where we're at. This world, Chazal tell us, with the letters Yud and He, God created worlds. Why worlds? Olam Haba and Olam Azeh. The world to come and the physical world. This world was created with the letter He. This is the world that we're surrounded by. What's our tafkid? What's our purpose in life? Is to see this world and appreciate it as being part and parcel of God's name. Not something that God tolerates, not something that God cares somewhat about, part and parcel of Him. That we cannot say the name Hashem without including this world within the Shema Mufurish. That's our task. What does it mean to err? What does it mean, lachto, to sin, which is a terrible translation? It's a made-up word. Because it means chet means, it doesn't mean to sin, it's a sin. It means to miss. That's what the word chet means. To miss the goal. What happens when we miss? Meaning, what happens when we start to look at our independence as something that's meant to be enjoyed in and of itself without realizing that all of life is about turning around to face Hashem Panim al Panim? We start to see the world as a letter hey, but it's detached from the name of Hashem. We fall prey to the illusion of separateness. Say Chazal, the word Shuva, which means to return, is actually two words wrapped up into one. Tashuv He Limekoima. To return the letter He to its rightful place in the name Yud Ke Vav Ke. To again begin to live with the consciousness. That every single thing that we encounter, every single experience, frustrating, mundane, lowly as it may seem, the mundane drive, the daily work week, nine to five, sitting at an office, desk, dealing with crying kids, throwing a tantrum in the middle of a supermarket. It's raining and we don't have an umbrella. Just life, life. To see life, every single breath, as an opportunity 
to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to find Him, and to interact with Him face to face. Panim el Panim. To look at the world, and we can train ourselves to do this, to look at other people, this that we take humanity for granted as if it's a normal thing. It's not a normal thing. None of this is normal. There's no such thing as nature. Everything's a miracle. The fact that I'm speaking and your ears are working to listen and you can have eyes that see, it's a miracle. To see all of this as part of the Shema Amaforish, to see all of this as part and parcel of the revelation of God, Rabbi Sadaq HaKoyen of Lublin, in two places that I'm aware of, it's my limited experience with Rabbi Sadiq, he says a story, which is very rare for Rabbi Sadiq. brings a story, the same story in two places. He says that the famous Hasidic brothers, the Rebbe of Malach and the Rebbe of Zusha, were once in the forest and they spent their whole day in the forest, doing their avoidas, they were learning, they were davening, they were doing yichudim, Kabbalistic unifications. They were talking very deeply and authentically and, and with a lot of vulnerability. And soon they noticed that the sun is beginning to set. And so they have to daven mincha, the sun is setting. And they need a minion. And so they take, thank you for coming, and they take, they take, so they, they, they decide, okay, we have to start walking out of the forest because we have to get back to the village. So they start to walk and they start to move. When they come to the end of the clearing, when they come to the end of the forest, rather, to a clearing, they notice there's a dirt road, and they're starting to get closer and closer to the village. All of a sudden, they hear a tremendous sound, a loud sound of approaching horses, galloping, galloping super quickly, very fast, careening around the corner is a peasant driving two horses, and a wagon piled up with what even in that language was called hay. We call, call it hay here too. But even in that, in Ukrainian, was called hay. Piled up hay. Hits a rock, and the whole wagon tips over, and the hay falls all over the place. And it's his luck. I mean, there are two human beings in the middle of the wilderness. And he asks them, he sees the, the Rebbe Abzush, the Rebbe Malach, can you help us? Can you help me put the hay back on the, on the wagon? Can you help me put the hay back? And the Rebbe Meilach is conscious of the time and he's looking at his watch and he says, I'm sorry, we're, we're in a rush. We have to get back for evening prayers. We can't, we can't, we just can't. And he starts to yell at them. He says, it's not that you can't put back the hay. You don't even want to put back the hay. And the Rebbe Zusha starts crying. <laughs> the Rebbe Zusha starts crying. So the Rebbe Meilach turns to him and he says, what, what's going on here? He said, don't you hear what he's saying? It's not that you cannot put back the hay of Yudke Vavke, of Hashem's name. You don't even want to put back the hay. And this chaver is very deep because it's very, very challenging to live in this way. It's hard. Hashem did a great job. It's very challenging to maintain this consciousness. This is the struggle of life. And every moment is the battleground. But the one thing that we can do is to want it. The one thing that we can do is express our desire verbally in English. When we take a moment to be alone, enveloped by the living presence of God, to say, Master of heaven and earth, I want you. I want you. I want to live a life of elevation. 
I want to live a life of meaning. I want to live a life where I can be a channel to bring your light down into the world. I want to lift people up. I want to recognize you. I want to bring Mashiach closer. I want to be a vessel for that light. And in so doing on Rosh Hashanah, when the whole process takes place, when Chava is sawed away from Adam, so to speak, we return to the consciousness for which that process took place. Every Rosh Hashanah again. To realign ourselves to the most natural kind of living. To begin again to live with a mission, with a clarity into what the purpose of all of this is, and so that we can bring that to others with Hashem's help. Let's close with one slow niggin, and then we'll dance a little bit more with Hashem's help. Thank you for Da 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 my
Okay, we'll dance a little bit, but I just want also to tell you that in front of you on the paper, you'll see these flyers. They have a QR code that leads to a WhatsApp group. A lot of content that we're going to be sending out, Bezer Shaman. On, uh, on social media, on WhatsApp particularly. And really honestly, the main thing is that we ask of each and every one of us because it has to grow exponentially. Share the link with your friends. Tell them about it. Anybody you know who you feel can benefit from this kind of messaging, from these kind of experiences, we really want to build a community that's not defined by uh, you know, how you look on the outside, not defined by any part of the Aretz identity that's called Kulai, L'shem Shemayim, right? Meaning, for that part of us that's Shemayim, where we're literally all the same, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, whatever your background might be, whatever your affiliation is, whatever shul you daven in, however you look, mamash, we need to break down all those boundaries. We're getting close to Mashiach now. These are Kleinikite, and it's too small to consider. We must get together deeply, deeply, deeply for real. And so we want to expand the circle to bring Chavr in, so that we can bring them in, and together we can go up and in together with Hashem's help.
Thank you guys so much for coming. Have a blessed week, a Shabbos week. Yes, benching, benching now for everyone.